All right, good morning. How are we doing? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Matthew chapter 4 is where we'll be. Matthew chapter 4 um, will be in, in verse 18 here shortly. Uh, just a couple things. One, um, uh, as you can see, the stage is decorated uh, this morning. Um, Cornerstone, uh, the Slavic church that is uh, using the facility as well. Uh, they have their big uh, harvest day today, and so we're trying to get together with them this week. Um, just some things just didn't work out. We just couldn't get it get it figured out. So uh, November fifth is when we'll have a come together joint service, and so we're excited for that. That will give us um, plenty of time to get uh, some of the little details and things planned out, and make sure that we can accommodate like we need to. Um, but I'm going to warn you now that I have seen this, there is a group of people that I can come together with and collaborate with some stage design stuff, y'all. Like like. You better be worried. Um, so, uh, so no, that, that's what that's what'll be taking place. Uh, like I said, November fifth. We're excited for that. Give us plenty of time to get everything lined out and ready to go there. And so, uh, last week uh, we're just kind of in this fall series, uh, just looking at who we are, looking uh, at direction, vision, mission, those type of things, and just just who we believe God has called us to be uh, as His church, as His uh, local corporate body here. And so, uh, last week was vision. We looked at our vision, talked about our, our vision, and just an easy way to remember uh, what, what vision is. It just it just means this. It means it's where we're headed. It, it's where we're going. Um, it, it's 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 the the place that we're trying to to get to, and that's just an easy way to to remember what what vision is. And so our vision here at New Life is just uh, we want to reach the world with the gospel, one person at a time. We want to be serious about taking the message of Jesus, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to our world that is in desperate desperate need of it, desperate desperate need of hope. And uh, the thing I love is is this past week as a result of just man, man, the proclamation of God's word uh, is that when when His people hear him speak, and they live out what he's told them to do. Like last Sunday night, I'm uh, back in the youth and teaching the youth, and as I finish up, uh, a mom comes in to pick up her kid and uh, take him home, and uh, as she's talking to me, I mean, she's like, she's like geeked up. Like, she is so excited, and, and, and like, I, like, I'm, like, I'm an excited guy, but like, she was like 10 times more excited than I was, and so as we're, we're talking and chatting back and forth, she's like, I just got to tell you what happened at lunch. She's like, we went to lunch, and as we're eating lunch, I just felt God like pushing on my, on my heart to, sh- I got I to gotta tell this waitress about Jesus. Got to tell him about Jesus. And so she ends up pulling her aside and having a conversation with her to the point of where uh, this waitress comes to faith in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She takes the gospel message. Yeah, we, we celebrate that. Absolutely. And I'm just like, yes, that, that's, that's it. Just in, in, in conversation with this waitress throughout her meal. And at the end, just this, this pressing upon her heart to go and share more and talk to and get to know this lady and just, just really see what's going on in her heart. And, and, and doing that and having conversation right there on a Sunday at lunchtime, this lady's forever is changed. Her, her eternity is changed. And then, then Monday, I have a dad who, who comes in um, who had asked me Sunday if he could swing by. And so he swings by Monday and, and I get to sit down and for over an hour, we're sitting there in my office just talking about man, the how-tos to share the gospel with his son. His son is younger, and he's asking all these questions, and it's obvious God's starting to work and do uh, in this little guy's heart, and so he wants to, uh, to be able to articulate the gospel, be able to, to share with him uh, pr- properly who Jesus is and kind of help him navigate through that. And so I get to sit in my office for an hour and just talk with his dad about, uh, about God working and doing and what the gospel is and, and how to uh, try to get it on their level to where they can understand and, and hear it and 
And so just, just love that. And a couple weeks ago, I have a, a lady that calls me and says, man, I'm just, just in conversation with, with someone, I just bring up, how can I pray for you? And how that just opens up a door to have conversation about Jesus and open up a door, uh, how, how to just get involved in people's lives and to care for them and to walk with them and to just love on them. And so I just love hearing when, when the word of God is proclaimed and we take it serious and we live it out and we walk it out. But man, how God shows up in those moments and how he works like only he can. And so I just, I just love hearing stories like that. Love hearing when God's people take serious what God has said and, and live it out. And so uh, this morning, what we're going to do is this. We're just going to define what a disciple is. We're just going to look at what a disciple is because our heart uh, is to be serious about making disciples. Our, our desire is to be serious in, in walking this out and, and making sure this happens because this is what God has commanded in the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations. See where we get the uh, kind of the, the depth and the scope of sharing the gospel with all people everywhere is, is in that Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. So uh, for us, in order to do that, I believe it's important to be able to define what a disciple is. It's so important to know what we're talking about when we say disciple, to be able to define, to be able to know so we can gauge how we're doing, what, what's happening. Um, so, so me being a uh, guy from West Virginia, there is this uh, hunting expedition that uh, they like to take people on, especially if you're not from there. Um, uh, and then as you're younger, it's this hunting expedition that they like to uh, uh, get, get people involved with and take people on. And I don't know if you're familiar with it. I, I, I want to say I'm Pretty sure that probably some of you are, but it's called snipe hunting. Yeah, you laugh because you know. And so I can remember as a kid, like there, there was this, this okay, so hey, Scott, you want to go snipe hunting? Uh, I've, I'm not 100% sure, why not? Everybody else is doing it, let's go. I mean, I'm in for a good time, right? So uh, let, let's go snipe hunting. And the whole, like, like, as a kid, like I don't know what all to ask. Like I've never heard of a snipe before, and so I, it, it doesn't sound too scary. And, and so anyway, so I'm like, oh, oh let's do this. And so, and it's weird because the only time you can hunt snipe is at night in the woods. And you don't need a gun. You just need a net. You see where I'm going in my mind, in my head, and I'm like, Dad, are you sure? Like, not even a pocket knife? Son, you don't need it. You're fine. You'll be okay. So, 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 so this whole thought of snipe hunting, like I can remember them taking me, getting out there, and I just sit there. And sit there because, because the game plan was, like, like we, we think we know where there's some sniping. So what we're going to do is we're going to sneak around back over here, and then we're going to scare them towards you. And you just be ready with your light and your, and your net. All right, I got this. So they put me, and they go get the snipe to run them to me, which I don't even know if they have legs. They, they've not told me nothing. And they really won't give me a good definition or understanding of what this creature is that we're hunting, that I've got the net to capture and so I just wait and wait and wait. And let me tell you what happens. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I just sit there in the dark with a net, waiting and waiting. And there's no cell phone service in the mountains. So it's not like you can just like send them a quick text. or like, like I just wait. And I finally get tired of waiting. So what do I do? I walk back home. I think this was the worst hunting experience I've ever had. Because there's no such thing as a snipe. But I didn't know that. And I was going to participate and do. So, so do you see why it's important to kind of know what, what, you're, what you're doing or what you're hunting or what you're going after? And I think the same thing pertains to us as believers as well. Because Jesus has said, hey, go make disciples. And there are a lot of definitions out there that aren't wrong that are good and right. But it's so important for us to know and be able to define what this is. 
So we know whether or not we're accomplishing, whether we're doing, to make sure that we're all unified on the same page, moving in the same direction of, of, of what God has called us and commissioned us as his church to be about uh, and to do. And so what we believe is that once someone comes uh, to faith in Jesus, now what happens is uh, they're a disciple. Once they come alive in Christ, once they cross from death to life, they're a new creation, a new creature is what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so once that happens, they enter into the first phase of, of, of a disciple. And so they're there as a disciple. And the thing about it is this, is that once someone crosses from death to life, we don't believe that you just go back once you're saved and uh, doing what you were doing. Living life the way that you were always living life. We believe that, that God has, has saved us and rescued us and he begins to shape and mold us in the way that we think, the way that we live, the way that we do things, our longings, our desires. Uh, we have a new purpose, a new, a new mission. He has work for us to do, so we should be growing and maturing. We should be following along after him. And so it's important that we understand and know what that looks like and what that means. And so uh, I'm just going to uh, uh, lay out before us this morning the, the three components of what we believe a disciple is, the three components of what that looks like, what that means. And so I'm going to ask you to join me one more time as we pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to jump in. So Father, we love you. We need you. God, we thank you. We praise you. God, we, I just pray this morning that if there be a heart here that don't know you, that's never entered into relationship with you, that isn't your disciple, Father, that, this, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, that you would soften the heart, that you would draw them to you, Father, that you would save them and rescue them through faith. Oh, God, that you would work and, and move this morning in this place. Father, may this be for your glory. May this be for your honor. Father, I pray that you would stir in us so great a desire to follow out and walk out, one, of being a disciple ourselves, as well as, Father God, making disciples. And so, God, my prayer and my hope is that as we define it, as we look at what a disciple is, Father, we'll know whether or not we'll be able to assess whether or not first if we're one. And Father God, if we're making them like you, like you have. So Father, help us this morning to hear from you, to be obedient, to walk out, and to follow you. Shame we pray. Amen. Amen. So Matthew 4 is where we as a church, we get our definition of a disciple. Uh, and like I said, there's all kinds of definitions of what a disciple is. At, at, its, at its basic form, a disciple is a follower of, of Jesus. And so there's all kinds of definitions that, that aren't wrong, that, that aren't bad, that aren't wrong. I just feel it's, it's good that we're on the same page, that we have the same definition of, of, of what we're trying to make, of what we're trying to create, of what we're trying to see happen so we can be unified, so we can understand and, and walk out and do certain things that need to happen. So when I moved here, West Virginia boy, when I moved here to South Carolina, uh, th there were some uh, uh, barriers in the language, per se. Um, and, and I know that I talked funny, so I, I get that. Uh, but man, y'all really talked funny. Um, and in your talking, there were certain words that, that I had never heard or had never really been made aware of. So, so I can remember at First Church, um, I'm there and uh, doing some things. They're like, hey, can you go get me a drop cord? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. Where, where's that? He's like, just, just in the closet right around, right around the corner. I said, okay. So I go, and I'm in, I'm in the closet looking for a drop cord. And it's like not one of these moments like where the guy, like the husband's at the refrigerator, baby, where's the milk? Like it wasn't like that. Like, like, I, like I mean, I was moving stuff, picking up stuff, looking. He's like, there's about eight to ten of them down there. If you can just grab me one. I said, okay. And so I'm looking everywhere for this drop cord. I cannot find it. I come back around. I'm like, dude, drop cord? There's none. He's like, there's got to be. There's like ten to twelve down there. You, you come prove me wrong. So he walks with me to the closet, opens up the closet, and there they are. Every, I mean, and it wasn't me not looking. I just didn't know what a drop cord was. A drop cord in West Virginia is an extension cord. 
It's whereby you need to, got a little cord and you do extend it to the power to plug it in so you can have electric and power flowing and running through that cord. A drop cord, it's just a cord on the floor is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, what's this dude need a drop cord for? Let's pick it up and not be a drop cord. Let's be a held cord. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know what he was doing. Or, or, or what, about, what about this? The hose pipe. Yeah, the hose pipe. First of all, that's two things. It's a hose and it's a pipe. Is it together? Is it rammed up in it? Is it like sitting next? I mean, uh, we call those water hoses, you know, the things that water flow through. Yeah, yeah. Water can flow through a hose pipe, but that's not what they're called. A water hose makes much more sense because water is flowing through the hose that's going to get you to where you can. Anyway, so, so hose pipe was one of those. Um, th- this was another, another one. Um, I called it uh, a roof. And everyone let me know, no, that's, that's what a dog says. Ruff, ruff, ruff. It, it's, it's called a roof. Ooh, ooh, roof. And so like I remember it with the youth group, I would sit there and practice that for, like I would literally have to think before I said it. Because like, like they were brutal. Like, like, like coming in fresh into student ministry, not being from here, like, like brutal. Like you know how much they would make fun of you for saying roof? No, that's what the dog says, Scott. We're not going to put the dog, no, that's what the... And then this is the best, and I think I think I've got enough. Um, I think I've got enough folks here from from the north that can help me a little bit here. But um, pop, I said mm, uh, no. Ah, oh, I thought that was for sure. I've, I've got a yes here and a no there. You two need to figure some things out. Um, no, we called it pop from where I grew up. Man, I want to pop, and and that's what they will give you down here if you say that. It's soda, or we can go the generic route and just say Coke for everything. I want a Mountain Dew. No, it's Coke. You want a Coke? We'll get you Coke. Well, what kind of Coke? I thought there's only diet. Or... So there's soda and there's Coke, which is equivalent to what I call pop. And so I have learned the lingo and learned to talk rightly, as you guys would, as y'all would say. And so, um, and there's that, y'all, you all, all that. Um, so these are the same things. They're just said differently. And, and I think that's why it's so important that we understand and know what it is when we're talking about disciple. What, what does that mean so we can be unified, so we can assess, so we can really see whether or not, because I don't want us down in the closet looking for something that's not there. Like, like I don't want us out there creating and making and doing something that, that's not uh, what we see here in the scriptures. Even though it, it, it may not be wrong, I just, I love the intentionality of what, what Jesus says here in Matthew 4. And so uh, start with me, Matthew 4.18. This is, this is what God's word says. 4.18, it says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, he being Jesus, he sees, he saw two brothers. And, and so what, what I want to point out here, just right at the very beginning, is, is that Jesus, he's looking. He's aware. He, he, he's kind of just, just, just gauging and, and watching and seeing what's out there. He, he's looking. And, and, and what I would say is that that needs to be us. Jesus is aware, is, is watching and seeing what's out there, who's out there, what's happening, what's taking place. And, and I would say for us, that, that needs to be uh, just a driving force in us. We need to be watching and seeing who's there. We need to be aware of things. We need to get our heads up. I, I am an eye contact kind of guy, and my wife hates that, but um, what it does is it opens up a lot of conversations. It, it opens up a lot of opportunity. I mean, I could be anywhere, and I, like, like, I will like, like awkwardly like eye contact kind of guy is what I am. But it allows me to be able to talk to people. It allows me to be able to have conversation. It allows me to be able to see and look and, and, and see what's all around, what's happening. It, it allows me to have a level of intentionality. And as I look at this and as I read this, I just, I just 
See, I see this with Jesus. You see this throughout the scriptures as he just, as he looks and he sees people and as he's aware of the crowds that's there, but even more so the crowds that's there, he's aware of the individuals that's there. He's aware of the hurts, the hangups, the heartaches. He's, he's aware of all of those type of things because, because he's, he's looking for and he's seeing. And, and church, that needs to be us. When was the last time you looked someone in the eye? When was the last time you were just, just kind of gauging the room or gauging the place that you were at and that you were just making eye contact and you were seeing who's there that you can kind of engage in conversation or that you can be intentional with and, 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 and have conversation with? I mean, is, is that on your radar at all? Because it was Jesus. And I think it needs to be on ours. Do, do you see people? Do you see people? And Jesus saw people. That's what he sees. Because look at who he sees here. He sees, saw, saw two brothers, one Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And what are they doing? They're casting nets into the sea because they were fishermen. So they're just out there doing what they do. They're, they're living their life. They're, they're supporting their family. They're making a living. And, and Jesus is there, and he's walking. And as he's walking, he's looking around. And as he looks around, he, he, he does this. Look at verse 19. He says to them, these two fishermen here, this is what he says to them. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus engages them. He's intentional with them. He has conversation with them. He sees them and he recognizes them. And he goes after these two for whatever reason. These two in this moment, he goes after hard and he engages in, in, a, in a, very, a very big call to them. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so what I would press us this morning is this, is that God's going to put people in our circle. God's going to put people in our path. God's going to put people in our life that we need to engage with and go after, that, that we need to talk to, that we need to have conversation with, that we need to make eye contact with, that we need to really uh, go deeper than just surface level uh, of how are you doing? And I mean, really, like, how are you doing? Uh, how's this week been? How's life going? How, how are things uh, uh, happening and unfolding in your life? Are you okay? And we need to be intentional with them. The, the thing that I always come back to is I'm coaching a flag football team right now of, of eight, uh, four through sixth graders. And if I just teach them to play football and that's it, then I have failed miserably in the calling on my life. And I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm talking about being a Christian man. I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ. If I teach them how to catch a ball or throw a ball or how to pull a flag or how to set a block or how to run a play and never, ever, ever point them to Jesus then I have missed the whole point of what God's called me to be and do. And again, I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm just talking about being a follower of Jesus. And what I love even more is that with those kids come parents. So these parents get to see. So I get to have conversation with the parents. I get to make eye contact with the parents. I get to ask questions to the parents. I get to see where they're at, see what's going on in their life, see what's, what's happening. How are their kids being? What, what, what's, what's taking place in their life? Those type of things and those type of conversations. And, and I get to help and aid in that. And so it's more than just coaching football. It's, it's about making disciples. It's about getting to that place where I can share the gospel. It's about getting to that place where I can have gospel conversation with and so what Jesus does is he just models for us this whole process. Jesus models for us what this process looks like. Just read the Gospels. You'll see as he spends time with, as he looks at, and as he engages, not just surface level, but he goes deeper with those people that he's with. And so I just want just to walk through what he asks them to do here. He says, follow me. Jesus invites them to come along and to follow him. Where? 
Like he doesn't give, he doesn't give the destination. He doesn't give uh, for how long. He doesn't, he doesn't give any of that stuff. And they drop everything and they go after him. And, and so the, the, the reality is, is he asks him to follow him wherever he goes. Right? Like, like, like if you follow someone, you, you follow them and you go wherever they go. You do whatever they do. You act how they act. You, you, you mimic what they're doing. You see what they do and you do the same thing. And so he invites him to follow him wherever he goes. And the thing that we need to understand, church, is that when he asks us to do that, it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something to follow him. It's going to cost energy. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost attention, comfort. It ultimately, it costs us everything. That's what's required. That's what's expected. That's what's asked. Absolutely everything is what it's going to cost us. And that price is not too hefty on our side. When we know and understand what we get in return, eternity with him, when we just sang songs about his presence, about, about, about him and about his sacrifice and what he has done for us, that he has saved and rescued us. And for us to give up everything for that, that is not too much. Not too much. And so that list could go on and on and on of what it costs us. But it's to leave everything that you know and follow him. And what do they do? They sign up for that. They, they do it. They, they do it. Have you? Have you forsook everything to follow him? Have you left everything that you know and hold dear compared to knowing him? I mean, we live in a day where we'll barely get committed half-heartedly to anything. And what we see in this story is that they leave absolutely everything. And I think what wrecks me and breaks my heart for the church is this. Is this reality of what has it cost you to follow Jesus? What has it cost you this week to follow Jesus, to be his, to be his disciple? Because I mean, there's a cost every moment of every day to be Jesus's, to belong to him and to follow him. So what, is it, what has it cost you? What has he asked of you to do this week that maybe you didn't want to do, that you uh, uh, didn't want to follow or you didn't want to uh, uh, sacrifice for? What has it cost you to be a follower of Jesus? What has he asked? What have you given up? And so what I want to do is I just want to look at these three components here of, of, of disciple with, with that reality weighing heavy on us this morning. What has it cost us? Look at, look at how he defines it. The very first thing Jesus says is this, follow me. So it's an invitation uh, to come to faith. It's an invitation to be born again, to, to follow him, to be his, to be, to be saved across from uh, uh, death to life. That, that's the very first aspect of, of being a disciple. You've got to be his. You've got to be born again. You've got to, uh, uh, you've got to know him through faith, believe in uh, his sacrifice on the cross, what he's accomplished and what he has done uh, by way of the cross for, for us, being, being our sin offering, appeasing the wrath of a holy God, satisfying God, his judgment, his weight, his debt, our debt on him. So the first component there is, is to follow him, is to be saved. It is to hear that invitation and to recognize that need, that, that I need a savior. I need a redeemer. And I cannot do it myself. I cannot uh, work hard enough. I cannot uh, do enough uh, nice things. I cannot uh, uh, play well enough with others to, to earn anything, but it's a desperate need that I cannot do this by myself. And it's coming to faith in Jesus and entering into a relationship with Jesus. 
And the second aspect of this verse is this, is he says, follow me. And he says, I will make you. And so what I love about this, a disciple is someone who's, who's born again, who's saved. And it's someone who is being changed. Someone who is being changed. So I was saved at the age of 11 and I will be 40 in November. And, and so if you look at me now uh, at the age of 11 being a believer to the age of 40 being a believer, uh, I, I look very different. And I'm not talking about uh, facial hair, and I'm not talking about hitting puberty. I talk a little bit deeper. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an internal change. I'm talking about where my desires, my longings, my wants match that of Christ. Look like Jesus, where, where I act less like me and more like Christ. There's growth. There's movement happening toward holiness, toward Christ, like him, being like him, living out what, what his desires are, what his longings are looking like that of Jesus in this world, the way that I think, the way that I respond, the, the way that I do and live. I'm being changed. That didn't happen on my own. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in me, and it happens uh, uh, after I'm saved, God working and doing, changing my desires, my wants, my longings to look more like His, to be more like His. There's a desire for obedience. What has God said? I just want to do what Jesus says. I want to live out what Jesus says. I want to, uh, to follow that by the uh, best of my ability with the help of the Holy Spirit. To live out and to be and to do what Jesus has commanded, what Jesus has said, what he has outlined in his scriptures. See, I think Galatians 5 is a, is a good picture of, of what this looks like. See, Galatians 5.22 says this, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what Paul tells the church at Galatia. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So what it's saying is this, is that God's doing a work in me to live out and to be love to experience joy, deep-seated joy, rooted in contentment in who he is, what he's accomplished. He's enough. He's, his presence is enough. We're just saying that. That's all I need, him. That's where true joy is found, not in circumstantial stuff that happens throughout the day. If everything happens to work my way, then I'll have joy. No, I've got joy because it's rooted in the unchangeable, sustainable Jesus. That's where joy is found, not in circumstances and situations and stuff. So love, joy, peace. I've got a deep-seated peace. I know no matter what happens, I have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about, uh, that a sovereign God is over everything working and doing for his glory and my good. I know that. I can rest in that. That brings peace. Uh, patience is still a work in progress. And I'm trying to get there. And I think I am. And then you go to Walmart. Or you think you're, you're doing good with patience. And then your, your middle kid does something. Or your old kid does something. Or you get stuck in traffic. It's a work whereby the Holy Spirit is changing and shaping and molding and doing. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I mean, I mean, all of these is the working of the Holy Spirit, working of God in us to shape us and mold us and change us more and more and more into the image of Jesus. Where we get to be the hands and feet of Christ in our world. So the first aspect is someone who's saved, who's born again, someone who's being changed being changed. Anyway, I just, I just want to press here for a moment about this whole thought of being changed as a disciple. Y'all, it is a slow, rough process from time to time. It is a slow, rough process because I don't know if there's anybody out here like me that is just hard-headed and just like 
stuck in there. Don't tap, don't, don't tap, tap her. Marriage counseling over there. Um, but no, it is a slow, tough process whereby God's got to smooth out some of the rough edges. Uh, whereby God's got to work on and do. And there's some areas in my life that I want to hold on to, that I want to cling to, that, that I think sometimes is better than God's. And he reminds me so quickly, no, 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 I, I, need, I, I need to sand that off. I need to work that off. And so it's a slow process. Like, like I said, I'll be 40 in November, and there are times in my life as a follower of Jesus, I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Why did I act like that? Why did I respond like that? What am I doing? I would have thought for sure by now I would have been further down the road. I would have been further down the road in my maturity as a follower of of Jesus. And so it's a slow, slow, difficult, painful process from time to time. So saved, we're being changed. And the third aspect is this, is that we'll be fishers of men. That, that, that will be fishers of men. And fishers of men, what that means is simply this, is it's being on mission with Jesus. On mission with Jesus. We have something to be about. We have something to do. And I, was, I would even argue this, that this is the greatest thing that we have to do. This is the highest calling on our life is to be on mission with Jesus, to share the gospel with people, to, to, to make disciples. To, to do what we see him do. It gives us mission and purpose. We all need purpose. We all need something to do and to be about. And this is what Christ has called us to do and be about. This is what he's invited us into. So, so as I read this, as I think about this whole thought of, of, of being on mission with Jesus, the, the, the third aspect of, of being a disciple is being on mission with Jesus and we know that his mission was what? To come to seek and to save the lost, right? That's what the scriptures teach us. That's what they tell us is to come and seek and, and save the lost, to, to redeem fallen man, to, uh, uh, to, to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices. We know that. But there's this interesting verse in John 17, 4. This interesting verse in John 17, 4. And this is what Jesus says. This is him speaking, and this is what he says. And I'm just, this always has just kind of stuck out to me, just kind of hit me. He says this. He says, I glorified you on earth. Who's he glorified? He's glorified God. He's glorified the Father. That, that's what he's saying. He's, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. Okay, because that's interesting. This is not him on the cross having this conversation or making this claim. I've just always found that very, very interesting. And so I'm like, well, what is he talking about? He's glorified him on earth. He's accomplished the work that he was been given to do. How, how is that so? What, what has he done? He, like I said, he hasn't, he hasn't been to the cross yet. So what's the work that he's accomplished, that he's done? I believe it's making disciples. I believe it's raising up this group of men that he's going to invest in, walk with, care for, model, show, live out in front of them, invest, train. He did all of this I've poured into. He corrected. He held accountable. He encouraged. I mean, that list could go on. He did life with them. This is Jesus doing this. And I believe that's what he's alluding to here. I believe that's what he's saying. I believe that's, that's what he's pointing to, that he has raised up this group of men that he's going to release to go do what he's done with them, that, that he has modeled and that he has shown this. And so the way that we live out this mission is doing the same thing that he did, the same way that he did it. It's life on life. It's relationship. It's getting to know each other. It's caring for one another. It's asking those tough questions. It's walking with, it's praying for, it's holding accountable. It's encouraging. It's truly loving and caring for one another. Not just saying it, but really meaning it. When you say, hey, how are you doing? Or, or can I help you? Or what's going on in life that I can be there? 
getting involved in doing it, not just saying it, but, but doing it and checking and walking with. See, I, just, I don't believe that this Sunday morning gathering, this large group gathering, is the best model for discipleship. It's needed. We should do this. We should gather as the saints. We should be reminded and rallied around the Word of God. We should celebrate together. We should hear it proclaimed. We should worship. But I believe, I believe the greatest model for discipleship is life on life. It's being able to journey with, to ask those questions. See, it's not just show up at church for, for a few hours. Hear a sermon and now you're ready to go. It's intentionally engaging with others. Being relational, walking with. Going where other people go. Pressing and encouraging. It's, it's making, that's what discipleship making looks like. That's how we do it, life on life, the way that Jesus did it. I think sometimes in church we make things way too difficult. Way too difficult. It's, it's loving and caring for. It's being in community with. That's what it looks like. How Jesus does it is how we're called to do it. And then look at their response here in, in 420. It says this. It says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus, being aware, he sees them, he engages them, he asks them to follow. And the crazy thing is they do it. They do it and they join themselves with Jesus. And I would just press here for a moment. I believe that we live in a world that's not far removed from that. I believe we live in a time and a day where people are looking to be involved with something, looking to be, uh, uh, to be connected to something, looking to have, have purpose uh, and, and meaning in their life. And church, we have that. We know where to find that. We know and are aware of where that comes from. We just need to share. We just need to talk about. We just need to invite into. We just need to care enough about other people to, uh, to, to really uh, invest in to journey with, to have community with. And so these men, they do it. They, they leave everything to learn and to grow and to, to disciples of, of Jesus. And I believe the same thing will happen with us if we just get our head up for a moment, just aware of what's around us, who's around us, and we ask people to join us. We love and we care for, and we offer community, and we find community, and we journey together. And then, look, Jesus continues on in verse 21. Look, look, at, look at what he does here. He says, and, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he calls them. There, there he goes again. There he goes again, head on a swivel, looking for and seeing, and what does he see? He sees two more. And he, and he goes after them, and he engages them because he's aware. Church, we've got to be aware. We've got to see there's hurt out there, there's hang-ups out there, there's difficulty, there's struggle. There are people that just need us to share, us to open the door and invite, uh, us to just join with. And look at what happens here as the story continues in 22. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately. Immediately they did that. See, see what I love about this is that they left everything as well. These other guys left everything as well. Uh, not their stuff, their boat here, or even their mom or dad could get in the way of them being sold out and following Jesus. 
nothing could take the place of. Nothing could stop. Nothing could prevent them. Immediately, they join with and they go. They leave everything that they have and they know and they go after. after. That invitation is given and they join and they go hard toward. And so as I read this, as I thought of this, my prayer and my hope is that mom and dad's in this room this morning will hear that. My, my, my hope and prayer this morning is that, is that me as a dad will, will be reminded of this verse often, will be reminded of this reality of what's taking place here, here often. Because what I see and what I sense and what I know from the scriptures, and it's easy right now whenever I've got an 11, a 7, and a 3-year-old, it's easy because it's like all that stuff is like down there type stuff. But, but if I'm not preparing my heart now here in the moment, the down there stuff will be here before I know it, and I won't be ready for it. And so I've got to be careful and cautious not to have too much of a grip or a hold on something that's not mine. And I'm referring to my boys. They're, they're, they're not mine. They belong to the Lord and they're, they're his and he's given them to me to raise. And, and so my heart and my hope, moms and dads in the room this morning, is that when we hear this and we see this, is that our heart will resonate with this as difficult and as hard as it is, but that we will raise them up and then turn them loose. That, that, that we will raise them up that we will invest, that we will pour into, that we will disciple well in our homes, our children, to raise them up and then set them loose. Let them go. Let them go wreak havoc on this world for the glory of God. Let them go into the dark places and bring light with them. Let them go and share and tell of the good news of Jesus to raise them up and release them and to, to turn them loose. And so my prayer, for as long as I can remember, has been this for my boys, is that they would be ferocious men of God, first and foremost. Ferocious, ferocious men of God. And that they would be disciple makers to the nations. That they would be so, so much more serious than even dad is. And I'm not even close, I don't feel like. Man, I'm not even close. But my prayer is that even through my imperfections and my struggles and my difficulties, that God would do a work so great in their heart that they come to, uh, to me, and Mary will kill me later, but they will come to us and they'll look at us and say, hey, I got to go. I, I've got to go. And as hard and as difficult and as much as we, uh, okay, you go, you go, son. You go be Jesus somewhere where it's needed. Uh, like I can remember, I can remember back in college or, or not long after college and kind of starting in, in ministry and in church. And I can remember kind of that old adage of, man, man, pray for anything for my kids, but just not to be missionaries. Just that God would not do that to them. And people would be scared to death that God would call their kids somewhere. Somewhere in another country, third world country, uh, one of the, the 1040 window where, where, where it's the darkest places on earth. And I'm not talking about not enough sunlight. I'm talking about uh, wickedness of the world, lostness of the world. Yeah, yeah, anything for them, just not that. And that just reveals a heart that don't get it. That reveals a heart that, that's not aligned with the heart of God. Why would I not want my boys to go there? Why would I not have some sort of longing and desire to see the gospel taken to the nations, to the place where, where, where people are dying and going to hell? I don't, I don't want to add to that or be okay with that. God forbid me to raise my kids like that. God forbid me to, to live that way. But that my heart would be one day when they come to me and they say, hey, Dad, I have prayed and I have prayed and I have prayed. And this is where I'm going and what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take Jesus and I'm going to share him in this place. That they will do what we see here and that I will celebrate and that I'll be excited for 
and that I will rally around them because my time with them is now. My time with them is today to raise them up, to model, to show, to walk intentionally with, to care for now. Because my hope and what I pray is that God will send them one day to do this. Send them one day, and maybe it'll be another country, maybe it'll be uh, uh, another location in the U. I don't know where or what, but, but what I do know right now is I've got one at Bull Springs Middle School. I've got one at Oakland Elementary. I've got one here, and, and they can be light, and they can live out, and they can do this, this now to the best of their ability at where they're at in life. And so moms and dads, man, I just pray that this gets in our heart. And, and I'm not preaching this at you, I'm preaching this at me because I'm not there yet. And there'll be a day when I get there and I pray to God that I'm, I'm like this, that they immediately leave me and my wife and they go and they follow him wherever it is he takes them. Wherever it is he takes them. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means. So as the band comes back up, the band comes back up, the, the question I ask you is this, are you a disciple? Are you a disciple according to the way we see it here in the scriptures as we have looked here in the book of Matthew chapter 4? Are you a disciple? Have you come to faith in Christ? Are you a believer? And I'm not talking about just knowing, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know some things about him. John 3, 16, yeah. I mean, that's great, but, but what does that belief look like? What does that faith look like? It's not enough just to, yeah, I believe. Uh, I mean, faith is abandoning everything that you know, casting all that you are on him. Him or nothing, that's it. All, all I am is his, I believe, for he is the son of God. I am sinful and wicked and deserving of if he doesn't step in and he doesn't make a way. And so I'm going to leave everything that I am and I'm going to believe fully on his sacrifice. And that's enough. And I'm going to walk relationally with him. And so if you're that, if you're a believer, if you're a disciple, my question would be this, are you being changed? How do you look less like you this week than you did the week before? How do you look more like Jesus today than you did a month ago? How do you, your desires, your longings, your wants, your act of obedience to what he has called us to be and do, how do you live like, think like Jesus more today than you did two weeks ago, two months ago, a year ago? There should be change happening maturity happening there should be something going on in our heart and in our life whereby we we resemble and look more like Jesus and less like us and then the last question I ask you is this what mission are you living out your mission your desire or that of Jesus what purpose have you in your life to be a better worker co-worker teacher Parent, grandparent, just a better citizen. Because if it's not for him, it's for nothing. If it's not for his glory, his honor, his great name, man, the purpose that he has given us to go out and live and to be his hands and feet in this world, to be on mission with him, to be fishers of that, to have purpose, and just to know. Just to know, no matter where you're at this morning, sitting in this place, that God has, has a direction and a purpose for you. And this like isn't one of those like big talks, like a mansion, you'll get a mansion if you just bring it. No, 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 that, that, that's ridiculous junk. I, I'm talking about something that really matters. I, I'm talking about engaging a world that so desperately needs the hope of the gospel. 
I'm talking about going to work tomorrow and having coworkers that, that don't know Christ and, and you have that hope and, and that security in your heart that you can take and you can share. I'm talking about coaching a team. I'm talking about everything that you do is, is ran through this reality of, man, my purpose, my purpose is not to be a pastor. My purpose is to be, to be a disciple of Christ who's making other disciples. That's what he's called me to. The fact that I get a pastor is just is something that, that he's, he's put on my life, but the greatest calling in my life, the greatest calling in my life is not to be a husband, not to be a dad, not to be, but to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus who, who gets to engage and play a role in, in partnering with him to see other people come to know him, to see other people raised up in the faith and maturing and growing so that they can go do the same thing. The greatest calling on my life, the greatest calling on your life, the greatest purpose you have to live out. So who are you going after? Who are you making eye contact with? Who do you need to make eye contact with this week? Who do you need to share the gospel with? Who do you just need to invite in for a moment? Just get to know, just to get to walk relationally with. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't want God stirred in your heart. But man, I just want you to know we'll be here. If you need somebody to pray with you, you need somebody to encourage you, if you need to know what it means to, to, to walk relationally with him and to just be a disciple of his, the first, the first component of that of being a believer. And I'll be here. If you need to come pray, maybe you need to walk across the sanctuary and invite someone to lunch today. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you, what that means for you, but I want you to be obedient in this moment to what the Lord is leading you, to what he's pressing you in, to the conviction maybe he's laid on your heart. So Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Jesus, we need you. God, I'm just so thankful that you've given us purpose and direction and vision. Uh, How boring is it that you would just save us and then just leave us here? That would be brutal. But the fact that you've saved us and then you've commissioned us to go and do and be a part of what what you're a part of, to live out and be. Father, you've shown us what that looks like. Father, God, I pray this morning that you'd help us be obedient. Father, that you'd help us to die to self, to sacrifice leave everything that we got. Abandon our desires, our longings, and may they, may they align with yours. So Father, this week as we go out, Lord, I pray that we would have this heavy on our heart, looking for, our eyes up, looking for opportunities to engage, have conversation, and invite. Lord, we love you, we need you. God, God help us. God, help, help me. Help us. Live this out. In the name we pray. Amen. The band's going to lead us in a time if you want to come pray, like I said, any, any of that, I'll be here. Love to have more conversation with you. Love to pray with you, but you be obedient into what God's, God's calling and asking of you this morning.